Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 95. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your leadership. This week, I want to talk about encouraging childlike wonder in learning. If you'd like to check out other free resources like this one, you can check out my podcast, blog posts, and books at my website at williamdparker.com. You know, a few years ago, I sat in a gymnasium with bleachers filled with middle school students while I watched a high school student named Jesse Haynes, one of our Skytook seniors at the time, as he shared about a new novel that he had published that year. This is me and my teammates after winning our first tournament of the year, he said, as he scrolled through a PowerPoint presentation of himself playing basketball and then a photo of himself with his dog and a photo sitting in his favorite chair at home where he wrote his first book. Jesse was one of those students who didn't need much encouragement to pursue a dream or to create, and he enjoyed sharing his ideas with others. In fact, he possessed a rare gift. He believed that he could accomplish whatever he was willing to take action toward achieving. And that was the message that he was sharing that morning in that gym full of middle school students. One day, Jesse was sitting in my office, and we we're talking about his plans for college. And I asked him, how was he keeping track of his readers and students who were following him on social media and who were reading his books? I have thought about that, he said. Do you have any suggestions? So I pointed Jesse towards some websites and resources that I found helpful for blogging, for subscription email services, and for podcasting. And this began a series of conversations that continued even after he graduated. In fact, soon after that, Jesse began experimenting with podcasting. And when he shared his ideas with one of his communication professors at college, the professor suggested that Jesse start an independent study the next semester, creating a podcast as a class project. And in response, Jesse wrote a drama series called The Others that has been downloaded more than two million times. And he's now working on a second podcast drama called Maisie Meadows that has had more than 1.5 million downloads. And as a side note, my daughter, Maddie, who's still a high school student, is a voice actor in that series. As I think about Jesse and students like him, I'm reminded of a quote by Maya Angelou who once said, quote, we are all creative, but by the time we are three or four years old, someone has knocked the creativity out of us. Some people shut up the kids who start to tell stories. Kids dance in their cribs, but someone will insist they sit still. By the time the creative people are 10 or 12, they want to be like everyone else. I've been thinking a lot lately about how do we encourage creativity in our students. And a few months ago, I was on a road trip with my son, Jack, who's 12. We were heading to see my mom and dad who live in West Tennessee, nine hours from our home in Oklahoma. It was a long drive, and we had downloaded an audio version of Tom Sawyer to pass the time. And about halfway through the trip, we were getting stir crazy. So I turned off the story and I said, hey, do you want to record a podcast? So Jack pulled out my laptop, plugged in my mic, and I coached him on how to cue a new recording using GarageBand, and he tapped the record button. And because we were heading to Tennessee, we decided that we would narrate using our best Southern accents. For the next few minutes, we started our first 
Traveler's Podcast, as we called it, describing the scenery, talking about Jack's first experience eating a Big Mac, bragging about how I make the best burgers. And then something magical happened. Suddenly, we pretended that we saw something large and dark flying over the car. And for the next 20 minutes or so, we instinctively moved into the realm of imagination. We switched the recording off and on. We shared ideas on how to build a story. We described large winged creatures. We listened to reports on the news that we invented. We created interviews of NASA scientists who were tracking them across the globe. We had a blast making this episode together. And later, when I listened back to the recording, it was also really obvious that we were road-weary. But as we created this fun memory together, I decided to share the recording with a friend of mine who is great at editing and sound effects. And he sent it back to me in a final version that made the episode even more entertaining. And when I finish today's thoughts, I'm going to link to that funny recording if you want to listen to it too. But this week, I want to ask you this question. How do we cultivate cultures of creativity? Not just in our own children or in our own lives, but in the lives of our students. How often are we willing to model the kind of creativity and risk-taking that we want to see in others? When I was in the classroom as an English teacher, for instance, I had the privilege of teaching some creative writing classes as an elective course And when I taught my students how to brainstorm ideas for short stories or one acts or poetry, I made it a goal to write along with them. So we would build times of sharing into every project so that we would read our stories and poems aloud to one another. Frankly, I was willing to be the first risk taker every time so that my students felt comfortable taking risks with their writing too. And I know that not every subject in school lends itself to creative expression, but I believe that we owe it to our students to provide them both with the structure that they need for learning essential standards, as well as giving them outlets for expressing their learning. And the past few years have opened possibilities for creativity and the use of technology that we have never seen before. Last week, for instance, I visited a classroom at an area career tech center where a student showed me a wooden puzzle set that he had created from a design that he had first drawn on graphing paper using colored pencils. He had taken an exact measurement of his drawing and used a scroll saw to cut the pieces into his own puzzle cube that he then painted. And then he designed a cardboard box with his own logo and images as a part of a final project. You know, he was a high school junior who plans to study engineering when he goes to college, but he's already learning how to use software, design projects, and manufacture his own products. And he has an incredible instructor who has built an environment and curriculum where students can design and create. So how can we encourage teachers and students to take risks, to practice creativity, and to connect their imaginations to learning? You know, students should not have to wait for an elective like art or music or sports to engage them in innovation or creativity. And there are a lot of teachers who are catching on to the power of giving students opportunities to innovate. One way teachers are doing that is by using something called genius hours. And you may or may not be familiar with this, but the idea of genius hours came from Google, where they encourage employees to use 20% of their work time to pursue individual creative projects. The company culture believes that when people work on personal creativity, then it enhances the work that they do for their company. And in a genius hour at school, a teacher can build time for students 
to explore ideas, to work on creative designs, or to collaborate solutions. Now, let me link to the website GeniusHour.com in today's show notes if you want to check out some great examples of how teachers are using a Genius Hour. But let's wrap this up. Since going to college, my former student, Jesse, has published two more novels in addition to keeping up with his degree coursework as a communications major. He is building a resume of products. He's developing an arsenal of digital tools. He's already having marketing experience, and he's already building lots of collaborative relationships. So what's the takeaway for us as school leaders? Schools cannot be places that knock the creativity out of others, as Maya Angelou says. If we're going to encourage cultures of innovation and risk-taking, then we must be willing to go first. So now it's your turn. How are you willing to try and model new ideas? How are you willing to give teachers permission to experiment, even if that means some failure along the way? Think about one way that you can begin to encourage your teachers and your students to take risks and practice creativity, and then ask yourself, how can I go first? Now, let me share a bonus track with you today. You may be interested to know that when I finished editing the Travelers podcast with my son, Jack, I asked him if he would mind me sharing it with my readers and listeners. And at first he said, no, that would be embarrassing. So I told him I would respect his wishes. But I also told him that I thought it's not a bad thing to show others that you are not afraid to demonstrate creativity or your willingness to try something new. And a few days later, when we were driving to the store together, he said, if you want to share that podcast, you have my permission. So if you're interested in checking it out, I'm going to include that recording at the end of today's conversation. Please don't judge me too harshly for my craziness. I'd like to invite you to remember that Maya Angelou has talked about not knocking the creativity out of us. And so let me just encourage you to smile along, knowing that we can all choose to keep the childlikeness in learning and in life. And now I'm going to transition to the Travelers podcast that I did with my son, Jack. I hope you enjoy. And if you're listening to this at the time of its recording, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy time with your family. Continue to invest in your own creativity so that you have passion and energy to serve others because what you do matters. Hello, traveler listeners. This is Will Parker, all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm on a long road trip with my son, Jack, and we are presently driving on Highway 60 across the Missouri roads. The westering sun is dipped behind me with a tint of orange, and in the distance, I can see the neon signs of a little restaurant in Poplar Bluff. But Jack, we got a long way to go before we get to West Tennessee to see Gran and Granddaddy. Give us a little update on your day and tell us a few things you've done, some stuff you've seen along the way. Well, right now we're passing a bunch of trees and they have a lot of leaves on them. And I had my first Big Mac today. Oh my goodness. Describe the taste of your very first Big Mac. And congratulations, by the way, that's a pretty big deal for a boy. 12 years old to have his very first Big Mac. How did you like it? Well, it was pretty good. It had a lot of lettuce and onions on it, and it had two pieces of 
low quality beef and it had three buns and I'd say it's pretty good for McDonald's but it's definitely not as good as my dad's Allegro burger if you've ever had one. Well, that's exactly what I was getting ready to ask you, Jackson Parker, was how would you compare a McDonald's Big Mac to your daddy's Allegro burger? Why don't you describe for the listeners what an Allegro burger experience is like? Well, an Allegro burger, it's a big hunk of meat that my dad fries up in the iron skillet with and pours some Allegro marinade into the meat and mixes it all up and when you eat it it's like the thickest burger you're ever gonna eat it's it's so big and juicy you can't even stand it well this is not being sponsored this show is not being sponsored by allegro marinade folks but let me just tell you if you've never had an allegro marinated burger You've never had a really good burger. Well, I mean, I can't say that for sure because I'm sure some of you guys have had good hamburgers. But let me tell you, in Paris, Tennessee, the town where I grew up, Allegro was a small company that began to develop its own soy-based marinade with the best flavors that you could ever taste that add a smoky, wonderful flavor to any meat. We spent years using it at my house in Tennessee because it's great to marinate deer or especially deer tenderloin in but i figured out that you could marinate any kind of meat in allegro and you'll love it one day in fact we were at some friends in tulsa at a swim party jack and i said to the man that had cooked our supper you know what this is one of the best burgers i've ever eaten and in my mind i was thinking this tastes almost as good as my allegro burger and he said you know what my secret is and i said what he said allegro marinade you could, <laughs> he said, you could, <laughs> I'm going to say it, listeners. He said, you could soak a turd in Allegro and it would taste good. Well, we should probably change the subject now. As we're driving along, we've seen lots of sights on the sides of the road. There's a brush of orange and yellow and pale green colors in the leaves. As you cross over the rivers below you, you see the gravel banks of the cool rivers and you can see the red dirt in the cliffs on your right and left and there's a mix of pines and tall oaks it's a beautiful fall day here in this part of missouri well i guess we could take a break for now and come back in just a little bit what do you think jack well it's about to get dark and i think that's going to be very adventurous well then folks we'll be tuning back in in just a moment when it's dark And we'll give you some perspective of night drive. Well, traveling listeners, this is Will Parker coming back with you. We've been driving for quite a while now. And I tell you what, Missouri skies at night are so beautiful. Jack, why don't you describe a little bit for the traveling listeners what it's like to drive under the canopy of a Missouri sky. Well, it's very pretty. There are a lot of stars around here. They almost fill up the whole sky. It's very decorative, I would say. Very pretty. And, uh, oh! What's that? Did you see that? Yeah. Hold on just a second, folks. I don't want my imagination to get carried away with me, but there's, there's kind of a large... Something flitted right 
Hold on, Jack. Can you pause it for just a second? Now we're back on because we had to just stop in for a minute and and step out of the car and take a look. And I don't, I don't know if we should record this or not, Jack, because that was a little crazy. Do you want to explain it or do you want me to? Well, I was looking up at the stars when I caught the moon in my eye. And just when I was thinking about how beautiful it was, I saw a big, giant, red thing wrap around it and start circling around it all all the way up there. Now, I'm telling you, I've been outside most of my life and I've looked at the stars and I've gazed at the sky, but I've never seen anything like this. And I know you're probably thinking that we might be a little road weary or maybe we thought we saw an alien, but I'm, 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 it did not look like an alien. Did it, Jack? No, I think it was a space dragon, and I think it hatched out of the moon. It's been sitting there for 10 million trillion years, and it finally hatched. Folks, you heard it right here, and I'm sure that NASA is probably already giving us some updates about this, so yeah, I'm going to pause for just a moment, and I'm going to find it. I'm going to see if I can find it on the radio because I'm telling you, I know we're not the only ones that saw this happen. All right, we're back, traveling listeners, and you're not going to believe this, but we've finally got a tune on the radio here. So I'm just going to let you listen to what they're saying on the radio in case you haven't been paying any attention. I'm sure this is already all over CNN and Fox News, but we're out here in the middle of nowhere. And all we can do is just record this while it's happening. But I'm telling you, the news is confirming what we just saw. So hold on. Let me let me hold it up to the speaker of the radio here in the car. I'm sorry for the static. And uh, here, you're going to get to hear a little bit of the, the radio talk. Hold on. Well, um, my name is Johnny Thompson, and, and I'm here with Joe. And he's from NASA. And he was the first person to witness this incident on this night on the whatever it is day of October. So, describe what you saw. Well, thank you for uh, calling us uh, here at Houston, but uh, yes, we, we, uh, we've been observing some very strange transformations in the sky this evening. Uh, we've got all of our scientists analyzing the star and constellation movements and trying to determine if a comet has um, come into our orbit without us being aware of its presence uh, previously, but it's very difficult for us at this point to describe um, all that we are seeing. Well, Joe, we have had reports that there is a dragon on the moon. What do you think of this? For, uh, I would like to, first of all, uh, discourage anyone from reaching any uh, conclusions that aren't scientifically proved. Because so far, um, yes, 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 we have had reports of people thinking they saw a dragon. But we have not scientifically proven that that's even a possibility. Thank you for your thoughts, Mr. Joe. Now, back to your music. All right, so I've just got to say that I don't know if that NASA guy is just afraid to admit it or they just haven't had a chance to confirm it, but uh, apparently we're not the only ones, Jack, that saw something up there that looked like a dragon hatching out of the... Of the, of the hold on, hold on, we better... Oh, pause it, Jack, pause it. All right, traveling listeners, we're back. I'm calmer. You, I, I had to remind Jack that no matter what's going on, the goal is to stay calm as you travel calm as you travel and i just want to assure you also that my hands are on the wheel and that we are making sure that as we are as we are reporting this traveling story to you that i have maintained a a very safe cruising speed and that i have kept myself on the road even though just a few minutes ago we had some big 
wing flappy thing flying straight across the windshield of this car. And so that's why we had to pause for just a moment because I'm just, um, I know Jack uh, and I saw something up there in the moon, but whatever just flew across the of our car, I'm telling you, I don't, I'm just telling you that it was the biggest bat winged thing I've ever seen in my life, but it didn't look like any dragon out of the Hobbit or anything because it looked, I don't know, almost mechanical. How would you describe it, Jack? Well, it almost looked like a, a transformer, like in the shape of a robot dragon flying around painted all red, and it had fiery eyes, and I think I looked in the window when I saw a face inside of it. Was What, what kind of face was it? Well, it was a, a real scary face. It had a, a scar all the way down, and it made a face at me that said, I'm going to get you. All right. Now, I, I know we're out here in the middle of nowhere, Missouri, and so I'm going to keep this recorder going because if there's anything that happens that we may not make it to the end of this road and you all someday find this recording, I just want it to go on record that we saw something weird. Uh, I'm going to, um, I think maybe we ought to check the news again, Jack, and see if they're saying anything new on there. Okay, traveling listeners, we've been tuning back. It's taken us a while to find the radio tunes again because we're so far out in the middle of nowhere. But we've, they're back on and they're talking about what's going on. And we are not the only ones that have seen something crazy like this. So hold on. Hello, this is Johnny again, if that's actually my name, because I don't really remember. And I'm here with Joe from NASA, and I, I'm doing an interview with him to update you on these mysterious sightings. What is the latest update, Joe? Well, I, I know that earlier we, we talked about the fact that um, we can't completely confirm what's going on with this this very peculiar, very bizarre, extra whatever terrestrial dragonish appearances, transformer-like thingies. But here's here it is. Okay, listen. We've had multiple confirmations from locations around the U.S. that there are sightings of similar forms that seem to be like almost these robotic um, dragony thingies, and and we've tried to isolate. The location from where they began, and so um, our scientist team is on it. Uh, we have some theories as to where they may have originated, but we are in the process now with the U.S. military of trying to, to isolate these potential threats. Thank you, Joe. Now, do you have any theories why these dragons have been showing up? Well, I um, I'm actually going to hand the, um, this part of the conversation over to. Um, our, our head scientist and researcher of um, astrological, um, well, we, no one's supposed to know your title. Okay, we, we have an export of astro, astrological, super, super amazing, sometimes almost um, like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to say what his real title is because it's embarrassing for us to admit that scientists are looking into things like this. But anyway, his name is Professor Sneed. So, Professor, so, Professor Sneed, will you... Please explain to everyone what is the origins of these creatures. Well, first of all, this is Professor Sneed, and I must say to you all, please be calm. Please be calm. You are experiencing something phenomenal, something beyond the pale of imagination, beyond any human experience that we've ever conceived of. But I must give you a little history. Recently, you saw on the news the 
collision of two neutron stars. These two neutron stars collided millions of light years away from our planet. But in the collision, we scientists could observe the explosions and the transfers of light and the releasings of minerals and golds and metals and all of the elements that would happen in the collision of these massive bodies of astrological proportions. And you've probably heard on the news that when these neutron stars collided, that we, billions and millions of light years away, could see the transfers of light that were moving. It has not been confirmed that those transfers of lights with flocks of these astrological dragons. And yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, they have been looking for a new place to abide. And apparently they have chosen us. And so, first of all, I must caution you to stay inside until our partners in the military here and around the world who have been released to help us in this matter have contained them. So that's all I can tell you right now, and uh, I'm going to hand that back to the news. All right, now let's get back to the latest pop stars of today. All right, traveling listeners. Um, I don't know about you, but this is the weirdest night I've ever had in my life. And I'm just telling you, Jack, that uh, I've taken a lot of road trips across this Highway 60 getting, you know, to Tennessee. And I've been through snowstorms and I've been through rainstorms and I've been through sleeping and crying babies. And I've changed poopy diapers on this road, but I have never had a night like this. And I hope that one of those, whatever those things are flying from supernova collision dragon thingies are not going to come by my car anymore because I've had enough fright for one night. But I have to admit, I'm a little scared. And I'm probably, well, maybe we're in the safest place we can be out here in the middle of nowhere because those dragons are probably looking for some more populated place to land. So I don't think this recording is going to get out until after it's too late. But those of you out in, in there in the populated world, I hope you get to hear this recording someday and that you haven't been devoured before you get a chance to listen to this. Well, Jack... What started out as a nice little recording about our travels has turned into a nightmare. You have any thoughts? Because sometimes you've got the wisdom of an old man for a boy your age. Well, I believe that we shouldn't be afraid because I think Superman's going to come and save us all. I never thought of that. Now, how do you think the Superman would handle this situation? Well, I think he's going to call the Flash to help him and they're going to all go crazy with their superhero stuff and be all heroic and save us from the dragons of the spaces. Well, all I want to know is if Flash and Superman show up, do you think there would be a Batman and a Wonder Woman? Yes, I think there would. I think all of the Marvel and did you see and all the superheroes would show up and save us. All right, folks, you heard it here first. So now that we've had the invasion of the supernova dragon thingy-wingies, look out your windows soon because you might see the captivity of those monsters taken by the clutches of our greatest heroes that we've ever imagined and seen on the big screen. Man, I wish we could watch that movie together, but we may never get to see it out here in the middle of nowhere, Jack. Well, we better go now. We need to focus on the road. Yes, we do, folks. So we'll tune back in later if we hear anything else, but I'm sure you're following this on the news right now. Hello, traveling listeners. Thank you for tuning in as we are driving safely across the roads of Missouri and across the Mississippi River into Kentucky and 
Cairo, Illinois, and Tennessee. Oh, you're probably wondering what the updates are on those crazy dragon things. Well, let me get to that point because we've been listening to the news again, and you probably already heard all this yourself on CNN and Fox and all those other stations you listen to. But we'll give you a summary just in case our story is the, the you know the place that you get your news. Well, hold on. I hear I hear him coming back on the news now, giving a summary. So let's just tune right right in and, and see if we can catch it. Hello, it's me, Jeff, again. I'm sorry we had to pause our latest moves that Beyonce has done. Now, here is Joe with the latest updates on the Space Dragons of Coolness. Well, um, here, I, I, yeah, I'm the guy from NASA again, and, and why does your name change every time? Like, you're Joe and Jeff and John, and, and you keep calling me different names, too. But anyway, it's, a, it's been a tough night, all right? It's been a tough night. That's all I have to say. So uh, We're all a little rattled, but I'm just going to have Professor Sneed tell you again, because this is just too crazy. Hello, hello, this is Professor Sneed, and I must report to you all, everyone, everyone, that this is all good. It's all very good, because the military friends around the world, they they're big planes into this guy and suddenly suddenly as they were trying to maneuver and, and redirect the, the, the dragon thingy supernova beasts suddenly I'm working this huge plane and on the wing was hanging Batman and on the other wing was hanging the, the Flash and in the the Wonder Woman was on there with a lasso going round and round and Superman was flying right beside it and these DC heroes they, they covered the globe and captured these things and now we have them in a safe location where they will not hurt anyone. On, um, on the other side of the world, while they were doing that, the, the Marvel heroes, the Iron Man and the Captain America and the um, Hulk, he was there and um, who's the, it's the Spider one. Yes, the Spider-Man was there too. And they all, I'm telling you, it was a collaborative collaboration of the US and world militaries along with all the superheroes that you can think of um, including, did I say Flash? Because Flash is my favorite. Oh, yeah, say Flash was Flash was there, and so I just want to say on behalf of NASA scientists and professors like me who have been uh, researching the great cosmos possibilities of the world that we're also very surprised. It's going to take us years, years to figure out how all of this happened, uh, but but the world is safe. The world the world is safe again, and you can sleep well tonight. Well, thank you. Professor Andrew. Now, let's get back to the latest on Beyonce. Thank you. Well, Jack, I guess we can we can rest now that we're heading across this road knowing that all those people out there, I, I didn't even know those folks were real. But I guess you were right. In the wisdom of a 12-year-old boy, the solution was found. The military, the DC, the Marvel guys all together took out the big old dragon thingies that came from what supernovas were up there. I tell you what, I've never had a trip like this one. But as we wrap up the this conversation with you, um, Jack, do you, is there anything else you want to describe about this night drive? Because the sun's been down for a long time now. The canopies of stars are still hanging over us. and we still got a little ways to go before we get to Grand and Granddaddy's. Anything else you want to add as we're Wrapping up this uh, very adventuresome drive we've had tonight. Well, I predicted the saving of the world and the the Marvel and the DC heroes. And it's still a very pretty drive, even though it's dark. And i just like to say goodnight. And, oh, there's a mutant bear. Oh, my goodness. 